Hello and welcome to Cinemaholics, the official movie podcast of We Got This Covered. I am not your host, John Negroni, but in fact, your usual co-host, Will Ashton. And I, as I look to my left and I look to my right, I notice that this vessel is all mine. I'm the king of this ship and I've taken over with my good buddy, Matt Serafini. Hey, Matt. Hey, Will. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, I finally got you... On Cinemaholics, how you feel about that? It's pretty exciting, honestly. It's it's been a long time coming. I feel like, but, yeah, you know. Well, the thing is that I host a podcast with them. Matt's one of my best friends, Thank and you. we have a podcast called it "Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre," where we watch Shrek once a month and then mm-hmm. we talk about it. And I've been trying to get Matt on this podcast for as long as we've been doing the podcast. Essentially, yeah, we had we had John and Maverick on an episode of ours, uh, yeah. a couple months ago, and so now I guess this is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was my roundabout way of getting you on because John is with his family in Florida and Maverick is with his family in Seattle. And so I got to take over the podcast to talk about two big releases that have more or less come out in the past week or so. The first is Alexander Payne's new movie, Downsizing, which Matt Damon, Kristen Wiig, Christoph Waltz is go by. Let the water go me down. (laughs) Uh, unfortunately, I do not play Once in a Lifetime by in the, the Talking Heads. If you were planning to see the movie just for that song, as we kind of were, uh, almost certainly, yeah, you will be disappointed for more reasons than one. <laughs> uh, we also are going to be talking about another movie called Bright, which is Netflix's first original blockbuster, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, uh, like- with Will Smith, Joel Egerton, Naomi Repulse, and a couple other people. Uh, both very high concept original movies, which we don't usually get, Mm-mm. and there might be a good reason for that. <laughs> uh, but we can talk about that in a little bit. First, Matt, I wanted to talk to you about one thing. Okay. So, two times I've tried to get you on this podcast were Spider Man Homecoming, right. and Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Yes. Because you're a big Star Wars fan, you're a big Spider Man fan. That's correct. So, since I got you on the podcast, tell us about your thoughts on Spider Man Homecoming. <laughs> And Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Oh, I guess this—that's <laughs> very kind of you. Um, for the record, Will did not tell me he was going to ask me these, so I don't have any thoughts off the top of my head. You don't? Well, I mean, you know, I have some. I guess Star Wars, I do because it was just a couple weeks ago. Um, Spider-Man. Uh, it's uh, probably my favorite Spider-Man movie as a big Spider-Man comics fan. I, I do have a very special place for the Raimi movies in my heart, uh, but I think this was probably the best picture of peter parker and spider-man that we have um and then as for star wars uh i actually really agree with your guys episode you had a really good discussion thank you weekend what was a week and a half ago yeah uh, about that and it was uh i really resonated with all three of your opinions Mm. on it so yeah i'm glad you're on that side of the camp as opposed to the many 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 people (laughs) online who feel it's disgrace and that they need to uncanonize it oh that's great there was a tweet i think you retweeted it uh it was like how there's the bad, there's the Christmas special, there's the Ewok movies. I don't think that was me, but go um, ahead. And then there's like the horrible Clone Wars movie, but like this is where people are drawing the uh, line on the canon. I, <laughs> I think that was a tweet I liked that was okay. from C. Robert Cargrill, yeah. formerly known as Carlisle from Spill.com, but yes. now known as the screenwriter behind the Sinister movies and uh, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a great tweet. But anyway, let's uh, let's stop dilly-dallying and yes. let's get to it, because this is not a full episode, No, I'm afraid to say. This is more of a bonus, I believe. But it might be a full episode. I don't know. Oh, also, I just would like to throw in that I thought the Emoji movie was pretty bad. 
Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the Emoji Movie for a bit. My whole thing with the Emoji Movie is that it's bad. Like you said, it's a bad movie. Yeah. I don't think it's one of the worst movies of the year. Mm. I would not be in my bottom 10 for this year. I didn't see a ton of bad movies this year, so for me it is, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of bad movies, just in general, any year I see bad movies. I feel like the Emoji Movie was basically what I expected. It wasn't worse than I I feared and wasn't better in any sense. It just, it was an extremely shallow commercial project that was filled with product placement and was very poorly led by TJ Miller. Not in the sense that he did a bad job, but he was just a wrong choice to be like our Tom Hanks as Woody or like yeah. Will our every man. Will made a good point talking to me that um it, it could have been more interesting if like maybe the main character had been Sir Patrick Stewart's poop emoji. Yeah. Like maybe it's like he doesn't want to be a poop emoji. Right. Know. The reason I bring that up, though, is... He's just, number two, but he wants to be number one. Or sure, something. I don't yeah, know. I'm yeah. just making something off the top of my head. Uh, the reason I bring that up, though, is because Will had previously told me that another episode that I was considered to be on was for the Emoji yeah. episode that never ended up happening. I think that was actually John's idea, so... Thank you, John. Take that as you will. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, an update dallying. We're going to talk about downsizing. Yes. I kind of introduced it already, but if you don't know... It's a high-concept original comedy, dramedy. I wouldn't even call it a comedy because there's not a lot of jokes. There are like, some jokes, but it's it definitely gets dramatic. It's more dramatic than comedic. Yeah, it's um, from Alexander Payne. If you don't know Alexander Payne, he's the Academy Award-winning filmmaker behind films like Nebraska, Election. Oh, this was the Nebraska guy? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. About Schmidt, Sideways, The Descendants. He's made a lot of like Middle America movies where... like. A middle-aged white man has to deal with just his sad existence. And so making a movie like this, where the whole concept is like the environment as it is in our world is just going completely to rut and like... Overpopulation. Yeah, overpopulation. Our resources are deflating. And so these uh, Norwegian scientists come up with this plan to literally downsize the human population in the sense that they make... People who are, you know, obviously usually about four or five, six, seven feet tall into five inch people. And Matt Damon's a guy from Omaha who goes through the process and he learns some stuff. He's like, he's like kind of your average Alexander Payne protagonist. Mm -hmm. But the issue with this movie is, is that as I was kind of explaining to you after I saw it, it's a weird movie because it's both half-baked and they thought about it way too much yeah there's a lot of scenes where they like go into way too much detail about the science behind it and it's just it's like more of a lecture than (laughs) right yeah it's weird because like it's it's all the little stuff that they pay that much attention to it's like (laughs) the details about the world and the process about it which i think i liked a little more than you as far as like how they make the movie super mundane as far as like how there's this fantastical thing that literally does like the seemingly impossible and they make it kind of boring and scientific. (laughs) I kind of admire Alexander Payne for doing that. And I think it works in some scenes. So for instance, like the one scene I really like is when you actually see the process of Matt Damon getting shrunk. Oh, it's like, like, it's like just this very detailed, like elaborate process that's filled with a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. Like shaving. Yeah. uh, And like literally, uh, pulling teeth out, which uh, I'll come back to in a bit. But um, yeah, it's just like this weird, like extended five minute process. Or I like, like that scene. Like too, a montage. Yeah. yeah. Five minute montage that actually, like, that's one of the times where they 
show the whole thing of this universe and it actually makes sense and also kind of gets you into this weird world, little like high stakes world. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended with the little thing but every every yeah. time during the movie that one a, a character would mention like the word big or small or little or large will would like turn to me and like right kind of <laughs> give me like a hand signal like look like little because they're little right i mean <laughs> it was just one of those things where like they they obviously had a lot of fun making small puns to a point where i can imagine like the screenwriters like snickering every time they like don't be short with me or like we have a little problem or whatever yeah. it's like <laughs> f- like the first couple times it's cute sure but the twenty fifth thousand time is when it gets annoying. My favorite's the one in the, that's in the trailer where like he's on the train and the woman's like, "Are you nervous?" and he's like, "A little." Yeah, and I always like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that kind of sums up though how I feel about this movie because for the first forty or forty five minutes, yeah, I think it's actually a pretty good film. I agree. Like it's a film that uh, takes pretty good advantage of the concept. It, it shows Alexander playing to his strengths as far as just showing this middle, middle age, average American guy just going through this process and trying to learn how he can be a better person, how he can kind of better himself from this bad, dire situation that he's in. Yeah, it and that's like a taste of his life. Yeah, and it's actually genuinely pretty funny. Like it's well written. There's some good comedic beats. The pacing's still a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Like the movie throughout has a pacing issue where like the editing's kind of off like they keep doing like fade-ins and stuff like that and they keep showing you stuff that seemingly could have been done better yeah like there's a it starts out with two i mean i guess they're kind of like flashbacks to the for like the present of the movie they're like flashbacks Mm -hmm. it's like it starts with a scene and then it's five years later and that scene's like what 10 minutes long and then it's 10 years later yeah like it's almost like you could have just had those explained with dialogue yeah or News news archive footage or something. Right. Something that they could have... Like, this movie is about 130, 140 minutes long. Yeah, it was two hours and 14 minutes. And it easily could have been 105, oh, 90 yeah. minutes. Oh, yeah. You could easily cut 40 minutes right. this, boy. This, like, is, this is one of those things where, like, they definitely need to do a rewrite. Even mm-hmm. though this movie has probably been in Alexander Payne's brain for, like, 10 years or something, it's, it's in dire need of, like, another rewrite. Mm-hmm. Because the script is just so floppy and it doesn't... It doesn't really have a concrete vision. And the stuff it does have a vision on gets super preachy and super on the nose and like it just bangs you over the head with its political like (laughs) commentary or economic commentary or environmental commentary yeah i think above all my biggest problem with the movie was just how boring it was like yeah it's like like there's this really fun idea because i'm when i i should confess when i first saw the trailer for downsizing like three months ago i was like that looks fun yeah something different and it's like it looks like they're going to have fun with the concept. He's carrying a giant flower. That's right. cute. Uh, and then, thanks to me having movie pass, I, I've seen like most movies that have come out this fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've seen that trailer like 50 times. 50 times. And it's kind of among my friends, it, it's sort of become like a meme where we just are always like singing the Once in a Lifetime and, and like Tiny Matt Damon, make Matt Damon big again. Why right. is he so small? You know? <laughs> yeah. How is he going to make Good Will Hunting too if he's so small? <laughs> So, uh, so I was like, kind of, I actually had one friend who like, this was before it really became a meme where I was still kind of excited for it. And he like reached out to me and he was like, that movie looks pretty good. And I was like, yeah, no, I know. I feel like I'm the only one who's actually excited for it. And he was like, I can't see a way that that movie would be good. And then once he said that, I kind of looked closer at the trailer and I saw kind of what he meant. Mm -hmm. And he was unfortunately right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I was in the same camp as you because 
when I first heard about this premise, I was like, great, you know, that sounds like a really good premise, Mm -hmm. especially for something like Alexander Payne to, you know, do something that's completely out of his usual wheelhouse. And I was like explaining to Matt after the movie, this is basically his blank check movie, Mm -hmm. which if you don't know the term blank check, that's generally when a well-known filmmaker, someone with a little bit of clout, essentially gets to make whatever movie they want on a fairly big budget. So some examples of this would be like Christopher Nolan got to make Inception. Yeah. Or Darren Aronofsky got to make Noah. Or uh, do you have another example? Chappie. Yeah, that's, that's the one I was thinking of. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Neil Bunkamp got to make Chappie. And obviously these films are varying in quality. You know, Inception is very good. Chappie, not so much. <laughs> but I tend to respect filmmakers who get the blank check movies because they're always usually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Because they're not what you usually get from like a franchise sequel or whatever. You know, yeah, it's something not, different. It's not like your average Marvel movie or something. Like downsizing is not really like many other movies I can think of. But at the same time, that's what frustrates about that's what frustrates me about this movie so much is that I love this premise, but I just want it to be in a good film. Like we were saying before, I think if they're going to remake anything, this would be the movie I'd think to remake. Yeah, because like it's something I pointed out to Will was that like they don't even really use the gimmick of this movie to the plot's advantage. Like you could have the exact same story of this movie. If you just made it about the main character, like moving to another city, like it, it, they don't ever play with the fact that he's small. And I like, Oh, but his family hates that. He's small. Right. I, you know, I don't know. They, like, they never really, there, there's a couple sight gags yeah. towards the beginning, but then they like, don't really come back to it much. It's more that they hint at that stuff. And then they don't really elaborate on it. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing. Like, there's this whole thing where normally I would say this is a spoiler, but it's in the trailer. So <laughs> it's not really a spoiler. But you want to just get in the spoilers from here? Yeah, I guess. Well, we let's, let's do our final thoughts. Final and then, thoughts and spoilers. And we'll go into spoilers because there's some specific there things I want to talk. There might be some people who are actually right. interested. <laughs> I mean, if you are interested and you think, like, oh, you know, I don't really care what the critics say. I'll check it out. I mean, you could try it. It's not the worst movie out there. And I would. No. I'd rather you support this than, like, I don't know, A Bad Mom's Christmas or, sure. like, some... Daddy's Home 2. Yeah, exactly. Two of the same movie. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, it's not the worst thing out there. I'll just say that I think this might be a better, like, rental, like a Redbox Yeah, thing. I would agree with that. If you, Maybe, like, you just want something light to put on. Yeah, I mean, it's not that light, but, yeah, I mean, if you just want something that, like, can keep you interested, but it doesn't really absorb you, and if, like it loses your interest you can just turn it off and just return it and you only lost like a buck 50 or whatever uh i honestly struggle to recommend this to anyone (laughs) yeah but i mean there is stuff i like if you're interested though it's worth seeing i I will say before we go into spoilers i did really like matt damon's performance yeah i agree with that i think he does a very good job playing this type of role and i actually think this is probably one of his better roles as far as being cast in this kind of part because i think he is very good at playing just like average Joe guys kind of stuck in not maybe ordinary situations, but like, you know, like, you know, like in Goodwill hunting, he's like this gender who gets processed into or propelled to like this mathematician genius role. And he doesn't really know how to process it. Like stuff like that is definitely where he knows to succeed or Jason Bourne, where he's like a guy with amnesia who finds out he's, you know, a super spy. Yeah. That's where he succeeds. I think that's probably better than, I don't know. What he's been recently, I can't uh, think of. Uh, do you think he's good in The Martian? That's Yeah, that's a good example, too. Uh, but yeah, like I would say this is a good role for him, but the film itself, the writing doesn't really sustain 
Um, how was Suburbicon? Was he good in that? Oh, I didn't see Suburbicon. I didn't, see it. I didn't either. But anyway, yeah, I would say I also liked Christoph Waltz. I thought he was fun in this. Yeah, he was good. Um, and I thought the special effects, as far as like making them small and stuff, was pretty good. Yeah, it never looked bad. I, like there, there was were a couple green screen stuff, but yeah. like I'd say like it's not like super revolutionary because like you know there's Ant Man like you said mm-hmm. like that's kind of done similar stuff, but I mean you know for a movie that is made by an indie filmmaker who hasn't really had a lot of blockbuster experience. It looks like it's a very beautiful looking movie. I think the cinematography is very good as well. Yeah. But yeah, overall just frustrating because it doesn't really come together and we'll explain why it doesn't really come together. But for now, like if you're interested, you think, ah, I'll try it, check it out. But otherwise I'm going to give it, I think a generous C. I'm going to, I'm right there with you. Maybe C minus for me. I'm between a C and a C minus. Yeah, it's, it's just... Which is a bummer, because like I said, when I first saw the trailer, I was really excited for it. But Yeah, I mean, I'd rather see more movies like this than yeah. like The Mummy, but at the <laughs> same time, I am frustrated that it doesn't work, and I'd love to see a better version of this. So, all right, from here on out, I mean, we'll have a time code, obviously, in the episode, but we're going to dwell on the spoilers for downsizing starting now. Okay, so what I was talking about before was that, obviously, there's a scene where Matt Damon gets shrunk, mm-hmm. and he expects his wife, played by Kristen Wiig, to join him. Oh, yes. And she is like, you know, I can't leave my family and stuff like that. I'm not doing this. I thought about it, and I was doing it only to make you happy. Right. I need to think about myself. Which, I uh, spoil in the trailer, unfortunately, but that, like we were yeah, saying. Yeah, I really, we, we, if that hadn't been in the trailer, that would have been like a really great first right. act twist. Like right. That would have been a really fun like way to shake things up. And then also, like he goes into uh, Leisureland, which is the small town that he gets in. Mm-hmm. And he basically is, lives in this like, glamorized like, dollhouse, essentially. Yeah, m- mansion. Yeah, and it, it, they make a point to stress that like you, his like $120,000 or $120,000 translate to $12 million in Leisureland. So he's just set. But because he gets divorced... They don't really stress upon this, but it's, it's suggested that he lost like half his money or whatever. Or more than that. Yeah, in the divorce settlement. So he literally has to downsize in the downsizing world mm-hmm. to like a smaller uh, job and like a smaller apartment. housing apartment yeah. and stuff like that, which is kind of a clever idea. Yeah. But the movie did, kind of just glosses over that whole angle. Yeah. It doesn't really, like, make a point to make a commentary on it. Just kind of like, oh, well, this is the next story beat. Yeah, like, Will mentioned that to me, and I was, I, like, commented, like, I didn't even catch that that was what they were going for. I thought that it was just that he didn't want to live in that big house because it reminded him of her, and right. so he was in an apartment now, or I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I mean, that's, like, where I think, like, the movie shows, like, how Alexander Payne probably just thought about this movie for, like, a decade, decade and a half, and then mm-hmm. just, like, stuff like this just gets glossed over to the point where you don't really pay attention to, like, the broad story arcs of it. But then, like, when you focus on, like, all the answering all the questions that need to be answered and don't need to be answered, that's where the movie kind of gets this lumpy, weird pacing thing that peel that at times feels like you're just pulling teeth. And that's not to make a point where there's a scene in the movie where <laughs> a character literally gets his teeth pulled out. Yeah, the pacing is just... Yeah, it's ugh. just... That's really what I think kills it more than anything. And then... The movie kind of takes a, I mean, it's it, fair to say racist. Uh, kind of, yeah. Are you you're referring to the character? Um, There's a Vietnamese character that comes in the film about um, halfway through, halfway through, almost. yeah, maybe even less. I don't know. There's a character that gets introduced who is an immigrant, and that's the other thing about the movie is that the movie is more or less trying to be a commentary on immigration and race. 
But the thing is that using this shrinking process, this downsizing process as a commentary on race and immigration, it gets problematic like almost immediately because it's, I don't know. I mean, it's not like it's necessarily a good allegory for that. It's more a good allegory for economic stature and... I don't know how to pronounce her name. Nyak Lantran. Okay, yeah. Nyak Lantran. Yeah. I apologize if I mistreat if I misspoke that. Hong Chu is that Hong Chao? Hong Chao, yeah. Hong Chao is the actress that plays her, who I think she does a pretty good job performance wise. Yeah. Her, uh, her kind of story that she's she's a Vietnamese activist who gets put in jail and then the government shrinks her against her will. Right. Which that has some dramatic potential, and, and they, they gloss over that. Yeah, they don't do anything. It's literally on a newscast at the beginning. Right. Like, <laughs> That's another thing. And then, like, so, like, most of her scenes are, like, her just, like, speaking broken English. And yeah. it's, like, kind of brought out for laughs, but just really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, like, there's another scene later on where there's a Swedish character who kind of talks almost, in a heavy accent. Almost worse in that one. Right. <laughs> that one, like, I think that one just felt worse because not only do we have to deal with that, but it's, like, <laughs> they were really banking on the comedy of, like, people speaking broken English being, like, the high point of hilarity. Yeah. To the point where it's just, like, Alexander Payne, what are you doing? Like, I know you're a smart guy. Like, you know you can do funny stuff. Yeah. Like, what? Why did you, like, bang so much on this yeah. for your comedy? Like, especially, like you said, like, it's not like that stuff really adds anything to like, the whole downsizing angle. No, it's, yeah, irrelevant. Yeah, like, that's, like, something they could have done in, like, a movie, like you were saying, like, where he just goes to another country or whatever. Yeah. That's not to say it would have been a good film there. It would have been... Probably just worse. awkward, but like it's just like the fact that you put in this movie about downsizing, which is you know I've never seen that before, yeah. which would be a great premise. It just that's what makes it even more frustrating. And then the movie gets super preachy, oh. like preachy about like how the government, like literally, like I, I turned to Matt one point and sarcastic was like, "Oh, good time for another lecture." <laughs> Nothing like another lecture. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, about when there were still, I think, 40 minutes left in the film was when I sat forward in my seat and just had my right. head in my hands because I was just like, can this be over? I'm tired. <laughs> right. It's just like, that's the other thing, too, is that, like, the fact the pacing is so bad that when it gets to, like, the, the hour 70 mark, whatever, it just feels like, ugh, it's more of this. It's, yeah. like, more of the stuff that's not great. And that really, 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 really drags the movie down. Yeah, it like, the movie almost no doesn't... Pun, but down <laughs> it doesn't seem to know what it wants to do exactly like story-wise like I, I guess ultimately the arc is just matt damon finding peace with himself right which uh i mean that's problematic by itself because it's a whole white savior yeah, thing of. which i mean like we've had me that's a problem all, all, all over the place already but in any case he like like the movie at first it's like oh maybe he's just gonna find peace with being small but then it's like him he like he go they go to Norway and he's like he decide it becomes about him wanting to go into this tunnel and it like because they're going to evolve it's hard to explain but for those that aren't going to see the movie and are listening to this anyway basically they find out that the world is ending yeah because like the art the ice caps in Antarctica are melting and so basically even though they downsized only three percent of the population did it and it's really not going to do anything so all these people from the original small colony in Norway are going deep into this underground vault that is going to they're like building a whole new society and so Matt Damon's like I want to go with them and help them 
But the, he feels like this is his purpose in life. But they're like the others are like, no, you shouldn't do that. That's dumb. Like they're they're going to go extinct before we do. Right. And it's like literally like the last act of the movie is him like with this whole new plot right. point devel- deciding whether or not he wants to go. And that's, yeah, like, I mean, you hear about third act problems all the time, but, like, this movie really, like, embodied, like, the third act issue because, I mean, not to say that the second act was great. Right. But, like, it had a little more going, and then this is just when it really just took it's a like nosedive. It's, like, it's a completely different storyline. Right. And it's just, like, that's where you really feel, like, Alexander Payne was, like, nervous that, like, his premise was enough, like, he has this potential to make a really impactful story. And I guess, I mean, I think he had fairly good intentions here. I don't want to say that his intentions were bad, but I just think he needed someone to come in and like sit him down and be like, look, I know you're really passionate about this movie. I think it's a really great premise. Mm-hmm. You should make the movie. However, you need to either clean. rework this yeah, clean some or do up. some, or do something else because like, this is like two different movies. Like yeah. this is like not, yeah, exactly. This is not cohesive to what your initial vision was. And I guess that's just kind of the problem when you sit on a project for so long that you just kind of lose sight of your initial vision. Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, it's just really frustrating because you can see, especially in the first 40 minutes, like we were saying, the really good film that's in here. And it just never comes to its full fruition. But I don't know. I mean, I'm glad he got made, at least. I mean, it's certainly better than it sitting in a vault, I guess, and mm-hmm. like never coming through and just being like, oh, I had this cool idea for a movie about downsizing and stuff like that. I mean, he got it made. I hope, you know, he goes to, like, make something a little closer to his roots, you know, like a smaller indie movie again, so he can kind of refine his vision or what he yeah. excels at. But, you know, like another Nebraska or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, by the way, I, I've been thinking about that movie a lot more since we first saw it. I think that movie really holds up more than I initially gave it credit for. Yeah. Uh, and was so, that also Jason Sudeikis in that one, or is that Will uh, Forte? Well, Forte was in that. Forte, okay. I, I was Jake. No, that was Bob Odenkirk. That was his brother. Oh yes, that's right. I don't think Jason Sudeikis was in that. But anyway, yeah, like this was his first like official flop in the sense of like his first misfire. I mean, I don't know how well it would do box office wise, but I imagine it's not going to do yeah terribly well. I and, will give it one like a little nugget of a thing that I liked about it was um, I give him credit for not showing the actual downsizing process. Like, when they're, like... I mean, they, they show, like, everything leading up to it, and then they, like, kind of close the door, and you see the one scientist, like, looking in the window, and the computer says, like, downsizing in progress. Like, I think it would be... A lot of people are kind of, oh, are they going to show the people getting tiny, like, just, like, shrinking in the beds Yeah, but or a little, like, animation. That's yeah, but, like, they didn't actually show the people shrinking, and I, I kind of give them credit for not doing that. But uh, why, though? I don't know. I feel like it'd be an obvious thing to show. It's kind of like, it doesn't matter. I guess, yeah. I mean... Did you want to see that? I don't know. I didn't really think about it, to be honest. But, I I mean, I think they handled it pretty well. Like I said, I like that scene. I like all yeah. that stuff about, like... The first 40 minutes. Yeah, like, like where it's just, like, the little minute details like that. Weirdly, this movie has kind of, like, a European feel at, five, at times, which mm-hmm. I did not expect. It also kind of reminded me more of, like, a Richard Linklater movie sure. than, like, an Alexander Payne film. Like, just as far as, like how he used some, like, non-actors at certain scenes. Like, clearly people who are not trained professionals. Yeah. Like, but although that kind of backfired for him. And, you know, just like a middle American guy just trying to do what's best. Even though that's something Alexander Payne does, it felt more Linklater-esque in this film. 
Yeah. Maybe just because Linklater has done more like high concept stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think we're kind of drained out on <laughs> downsizing. But yeah, um, I mean, on? we gave our grades. Uh, yeah. We'll wrap up spoilers. Like we said before, though, if you think it's for you, then sure, check it out. Whatever. Yeah, why not? If you have Movie Pass or you want to check it out, on Redbox, it's a very good Movie Pass movie. If you are curious yeah i mean it's just if you're curious but otherwise i'd say skip it don't waste your time it's right two, it's two hours you won't get back yeah yeah like you said they should have really downsized oh, the plot that, yeah that was my, yeah yeah was, the, the running time because that yeah. was a long sit it really all was. right so that's out of the way let's talk briefly about bright because i think this movie almost broke us. It really did. <laughs> and I mean, we've we, seen how we, many we've seen like Oogie Loves together. Oh, we've seen so many bad movies. This movie was we even took a break halfway right. through it and like it still was hard to get through. Yeah. Of. I mean, but yeah, just like how many bad movies have we seen in our lives? <laughs> too many. Yeah, quickly. Is that what is that the one with the uh, Gary Busey where he turns into a dog? <laughs> yeah, we, did we watch that whole thing? I think so. Or at least I've seen it. Yeah. We watched The Talking Cat. We yeah. watched uh what was the recent uh, I mean, I we didn't watch it together, but we both watched Food Fight. Right. Not cool. Not Oh yeah, that was really That's bad. one of my worst movies of all time. Um And I will say Bright is probably better than most of those movies. I agree. But it just felt a lot more exhausting to watch. Yeah. Should With the exception of Not Cool. Exo- Not Cool was like maybe the worst one of the worst movies yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah, like just because like I remember that was a movie I you were like I got drunk because I hammered through <laughs> right because I could not finish it and I was still miserable the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Bright is the new David Ayer movie. David Ayer is obviously the writer behind Training Day and also director behind Fury and The Watch and Suicide Squad most recently. Yeah. Do you think we should just since this one's on Netflix just straight up go into spoilers on it like uh. Well, let's just do like a very brief, very like, very brief. Okay, sure. Like talk about it, but then yeah, we'll just pretty much zip right into the spoilers. Yeah, because like, we're not doing a full review for this one. Yeah, and it's not really worth talking about too much. No. I, don't, I don't have a lot to right, say. Exactly. About it. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, it's a new movie from David Ayers, and the writer of it is Mike, Max Landis, who is a guy probably you know by now because he's very notorious on Twitter and also for writing right. Chronicle and a bunch of other movies that aren't that good. And I also heard <laughs> Chronicles good. Yeah, Chronicles good, very good. And I heard Dirk Gently, his show is supposed oh, to be good. Did he create that show? Yeah, he's like the main showrunner. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. I've heard really good things about yeah. that show. Yeah, so like I said, it just I think got canceled. I think though, unfortunately, or something like that. I heard yeah. the BBC is not picking it up, but it's like Netflix. Oh, okay. But there's been some if stuff. If Bright does well, Netflix will pick it up. I don't know, but I mean, I was gonna say. Max Landis, not to get into like his personal oh, life, yeah. but there's been some stuff going on, some and I don't know. If it, of yeah, that. so I know DC pulled his Superman story from their holiday special this year. Really? Yeah, I guess he wrote a comic and they, they pulled it. Yikes! Yeah. Uh, so not a great time to be Max Landis. Uh, but <laughs> can't wait to see his remake of uh, American Werewolf in Paris or in London. Is that still happening? Uh, well, I, the last I heard it was. It, and for those of you who don't know, John Landis, Max Landis's father, wrote and directed right. an American Werewolf in London. And now Max Landis is remaking it, apparently. For who knows. Is is that part of the Dark Universe thing? I don't think so. I think that's... That was a separate thing. Because that whole thing... That Dark Universe is dead. The Duff, yeah. I'm a a Duff Dark Universe fan. Oh, really? No. Okay. (laughs) Come on. I'd be surprised. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, we're getting off track. Yeah, sorry. Max Uh, Landis. Yeah, so 
No, not Maxwell. Bright. A lot to talk about with him, though. But anyway, yeah, but Bright, uh, Bright. Bright is uh, the movie they... Bright. Bright, Bright. Bright yeah. <laughs> uh, Bright is the movie they made together, which is this high concept... I don't even... It's not a, really a comedy. It's no, like an action, sci-fi, crime, drama. Yeah, yeah it's it basically the premise of this movie is Lord of the Rings happened thousands of years ago, like 2,000 years ago. And now it's the modern day, but it's basically the same as the real modern day, but there's orcs and fairies and elves as well as humans. Right. Well, the elevator pitch, which is, I mean, elevator pitches are something that Max Landis is very good at. Yeah, he is. The elevator pitch for this, I think, was Lord of the Rings meets Training Day, which is why David Ayer was involved. Like you said, I mean, it's one of those things where 2,000 years ago... The world was exposed to orcs and all these mythical creatures. They, but like, They referred to this war of ten armies or something, right. which is a reference to The Hobbit, I think. Something like that, yeah. It's, it's, it's very clear they're supposed to be in canon or inspired heavily by The Lord of the Rings. Right. But, yeah, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like Max Landis watched Zootopia <laughs> and was like, and he saw a poster for Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or whatever, and he was like, Hmm. And I guess maybe Training Day was on TV, and he was like, <laughs> "I bet hmm. I can make a worse movie than all of these right. together." <laughs> Let's just take the worst aspect aspects of all these movies and just amp it up to eleven. Now, uh, yeah. It, so, should we give quick final thoughts and then go into spoilers? Well, or should we talk a little all right. more about it? I mean, I, I yeah. Just, I mean, I was just going to say, there's a joke that I want to talk about in sure. this movie. Okay, I just wanted to say that. If you've seen Bright, you you would know that. This is like their first attempt to make a blockbuster, to make like a really big movie that's like competing with, uh, you know, like the movies that are usually in the big screen. And I don't think this got theatrical release. No, I don't think so either. But I will say that it's very, very surreal to see Will Smith in a Netflix original movie. Yeah. Even though we've gone super far as far as streaming goes and stuff like that, and even television, you know, like Game of Thrones and all that stuff, it's still very weird for me, you know, someone who grew up. In like 2004, knowing that like the heyday of Will Smith, yeah, like it's just it's just a weird thing. What's the but you you didn't end up telling me? What oh the yeah, so the is. budget is 90 million dollars. Oh, okay, you guessed close. 100, yeah, so I you're pretty close. Yeah, I was which is high. yeah, that's the highest they've ever made for a movie. I think the second highest is probably Ridiculous Six. I think that was like 60 million. Oh, so gosh. which again, these two movies do not look like 90 to 60 million dollars. No, this movie like. Bright looks like I'd guess like forty million. Yeah, and I will say one thing about Bright I did like is that they mostly avoid special effects. Like it's a lot of practical effects, a lot of makeup, which doesn't look amazing, but it looks okay. You know, like it looks like they actually put some effort into making the effects look grounded and more real for what they're going for, and that doesn't make it necessarily great, but it makes it more rewarding to me because I think it's going to age better. That said, this movie's not going to age super Ooh, well. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we can talk, yeah. I mean, I know you want to get into final thoughts, spoiler well, territory. yeah, we can talk a little more about it. I just There's just the one joke I want to address. So I don't want to forget. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have that much to say. I just want to say that, like, where downsizing, I can see the good film yeah. in there. Like, I can see it coming out and popping its head out here yeah. and there. De- uh, Bright, and you, and you can also tell what's wrong with that movie, too. Right, yeah, you can point out the flaws very sp- specifically. Bright is a movie that has, like, a solid premise, like, mm-hmm. something they could work off of, but they just blew it in execution, like, all the way through. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't think Max Landis was the right writer for this project. Mm-mm. I think he should have gotten like a story credit, and then like someone else comes in and just does a completely better version of yeah, this. Yeah, because some of the script stuff sounded like it was written by an edgy teenager. Right, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this movie definitely feels like it's written by like a guy like in his like like teenage years, like you said, 14, 16 years old, just uses the F word a lot and uses like a lot of like cop cliches yeah, and just like mythical stuff that doesn't really fit or it's not really well established and just, it just feels like super exhausting to watch all the way through. Of course, that might have been David Ayer's influence because every David Ayer movie, except for Suicide Squad, uses the F word quite liberally. F Marvel. Right, yeah. So... I don't know where the problem stems for the most part. I, I don't know who the cast blame on the most. <laughs> Will Smith. Oh, wow. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, he, I, You can tell he's trying in this. He's okay. I think Joel Edgerton does a pretty good job as well. I don't think any of the performances are necessarily bad. And I don't blame them because they have a lot of difficulties trying to sell this material. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just all around not a good film. And it's one of those things that... It's not fun for me to say that because I want I want to champion both these movies. Like these yeah, are these, movies yeah. I want to like. And the fact that they're both just generally exhausting and disappointing is very disappointing for me. Agreed. Because like it's a, like it's not this is not like a fun thing. Like, like some people like really wanted to go in the bright just like flat out trashing it. Like they they knew it was going to be bad and they just watched it as a sticker. And like in that sense like Bright is not really a fun like bad watch movie. No. That's really what makes it even more frustrating is that like it's not entertaining even in like a good way. Like the only time, the only way we were having fun watching it is just like exaggerating <laughs> about how how much we're, fun we were, we're having. like lot, like sarcastically being like I'm just having so much fun. <laughs> good old fun time with this like, as, as like these characters orcs, getting shot. Yeah, orcs right? are just like harassing each other, pulling guns out like Blood and Crips. Nothing orcs, like a good time, like, you know. Like these, like they're obviously harking on very real world issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and just like, like also like the movie just looks super murky and ugly. Yeah, it's really not pretty. It's very not. It's very visually unappealing. Hard to tell what's going on. Right. A lot. Yeah. Like it's not well directed compared to like. Not to make the comparison, but compared to Star Wars, which came out a couple right. weeks ago, which is one of the best directed action right. sequences, like throughout that whole yeah, movie, yeah. you can always tell where everything is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but no, it's a good point. Like that movie is so well thought out and so clearly made by a filmmaker who, you know, obviously Ryan Johnson was someone who worked on a lot of middle budget movies and mm-hmm. small indies, but he made the jump very successfully. Whereas David Ayer, like even though he's made. I guess now two blockbusters as a director, maybe three if you count Fury. It just doesn't... Like, it looks like he just has no clear idea how to direct an action scene, which is weird because, like, Fury is, like... I was rewatching some of that on TV. That's a pretty well-directed movie. Yeah. I just don't know what happened. Like, I don't know if, like, someone took over his identity when he made Fury and, like, just made, like, a super competent, well-made war movie and then, like, the other filmmakers... And, like, the real David Ayer came out and just, like, took over his name and just... Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, overall, yeah, I mean, you can find Bright if you have a Netflix subscription. It's not a hard movie to find. No. I would say, though, I mean, even if you've heard, like, all this weird stuff about it and you're like, oh, it might be cool. I mean, maybe we could have a bad movie night. Yeah, yeah. Or we get drunk and watch it with some friends. I don't even know if that's worth the recommendation, honestly. Truth be told, speaking of bad movies, because we're not going to do many reviews. No. But I will say, there is a new movie on Netflix. It's not a Netflix original. But it's a movie that basically just went from, like, 
six theaters to VOD to Netflix. Uh, Netflix. And it's called Pottersville. Oh, yeah. And Pottersville is a bad movie that is actually pretty fun to watch for the most part. It, it gets a little boring around the middle and end. But that, like that movie is just so bizarre and weird and like out there that like you just are magnetized that they got this big cast and all this <laughs> stuff. And so like if you want a bad movie on Netflix that's fun to watch like as a group watch, I'd recommend Pottersville over Bright. But otherwise, skip Bright in my opinion. This movie is probably like a C minus. Definitely. Maybe a D plus maybe. I'll go I'll go with a C minus. I'll be generous because yeah. I like the concept. Yeah, I'll give it a C minus. That's where I stand too. So we'll talk about spoilers for a bit. Uh, otherwise, so. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, this will probably be where we take the end of the episode because yeah. I don't really think we have much else to talk about. No, not really. So, on that sense, thanks for listening. But if you're going to join us for spoilers, we're going to start now. All right. So, what were you going to talk about? So, okay, it's really good that I'm here for this. <laughs> that sounds selfish. What I mean is, it's a good thing that you and I are doing this episode about Bright because. There is a joke in Bright about Shrek. Okay. <laughs> that references Shrek. And basically what happens is there's like a couple orcs and Will Smith is talking to them and he says something along the lines of like Get your Shrek looking you, you get your Shrek looking butt back home to your and, and, and say hi to Fiona or something like mm-hmm. that. Like basically just telling the guy to get out of here. And um now Will thought it was funny because I guess one of the other orcs is like Fiona. Right. Now this joke I enjoyed because I'm like, okay, but but also it troubles me because how does Shrek exist in yeah. this universe? It's a fan we're living in a fantasy universe. What is Shrek even about? Maybe right. maybe Shrek's a normal guy. I don't know, but I'm troubled, Will. What yeah. do you think of that? I think yeah, it's very endemic of what makes this movie bad because it it just raises a lot of questions about this universe. <laughs> yeah. That the movie clearly has no interest. Which is fine. I, I I like whenever movie, as I said, like with with downsizing, it's okay whenever movies don't feel like explaining every aspect of mm-hmm. the universe. I'd rather I would rather have that in some cases, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it just that's the thing about this movie and why I feel like it's, it's like the cars problem, sort of. But <laughs> I mean, like there are tons of things in this universe that the movie just kind of expects you to. Uh, maybe not no, but just kind of take on face value. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, like, obviously, like we establish, the movie is in a place where this has been going on for like two thousand years. Like orcs are not uncommon. Like people at this time have known orcs their whole lives. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, that makes sense. I guess enough sense in this universe that they wouldn't like have a placeholder character for someone who like is us, like an audience surrogate. To come in and help us like ease our way into the story, but at the same time, if you don't have that audience surrogate to be like, "Oh, what's orcs doing here? What's going on? Like, what's happening?" Then you get lost super easily, and everything that's going on, especially if you take a tone like this movie that's super serious most of the time, it's yeah. like, "What exactly are you doing?" So, yeah. like we were saying, like I guess one way they could have fixed this, like if this is like a page one rewrite situation almost but you would have like a rookie cop character like i know this is like kind of cliche too but it would have been something where like a rookie cop comes in he's never seen an orc before or something he's only heard of them sure like he's from you know like the city or something where they don't exist or whatever you know something like that 
And that way, like, he is someone like us who's like, what's going on? Why are there orcs just walking around like yeah. this? Like, I've only heard about these in myth. So it wouldn't have been a lot, but something like that does a lot to kind of ease us into this type of story because it's not something, no matter how grounded and how much you make it like real life, the like world of it, as far as just like the aesthetic and just, you know, gritty griminess of it. It's not our world. It's not our world. And just like the movie expects you to just like see these like, you know, like bloods and crip orcs. Yeah. And just like, oh, this is not super silly and weird. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that makes Star Wars work so well is you have Han Solo who is able to basically like mock this world that they're in. Like, yeah, or like, at least like acknowledge that like it's kind of silly and weird. Yeah, and it makes it's like funny and it's light and it kind of right. eases the audience in. And I don't this this is a a note about like maybe the design or what. And I don't know if this is speciesist or racistist, but racistist. <laughs> but all the orcs look the same. I don't know which character is which. Like <laughs> they all have like this weird green face design. Yeah, and stuff like, I, like there's a time where you got like Joel Edgerton's character talking to like some guys on the street and like the only thing that makes them look different is their outfits like basically well some of them have like the prolonged twos yeah and it's just it's also so dark that you can't even see the outfits and i'm just like i don't know who's talking to who and yeah so that was a bad but that reminds me like that's a the issue we were talking about that's also an issue i had with the warcraft movie where it's like that's a movie like it just expects like everyone to be like oh we're just gonna put you in this weird world and stuff like that it's just like you gotta take a two steps back, man. You can't just like expect to go in this weird fantasy world and like have everyone be on the same page. Yeah. Uh, but there was a movie I was thinking of here, and I, I it slipped my mind that this movie reminded me of, and so I'll have to come back to that maybe. But uh, do you have any more thoughts for the time being? Not really. Not really. I'm trying to think what movie I was thinking of that this movie reminded me of. It just. It what like, were we talking about before? Star Wars. I think so. That might have been. Oh, yes. There you go. Thank you. No problem. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. That's a movie that has a ton of weird stuff in it. It has a very cheeky tone and stuff like that. But that movie has your Peter Quill. Yeah. Who is, you know, obviously someone from Earth who is still, you know, even though he's lived in this, you know, outer space galaxy world for, you know, 20 odd years or whatever. Yeah. Maybe 15 or so. He He's still very reactionary to what's going on. He's still very much grounded in a way that's like he's down to earth in an appropriate manner yeah and since he's able to be our audience surrogate because he's likable and charming he's funny and he can guide us along in a way that we feel like we can kind of relate to him yeah will well, smith is yeah. a little too grizzled yeah that's the thing like he's like one of the most charismatic people on the planet yeah and like it's like kind of the same with uh what's the collateral beauty last year where that movie, like, they have one scene at the very beginning of that movie. You didn't see Cloud Beauty, right? Uh-uh. I, I won't get into spoilers, but there's one scene at the beginning of the movie where he's his usual charismatic Will Smith self. It's like, oh, nice. This is great. Like you were saying before, we haven't had a good Will Smith movie in a while. I think one of the reasons is that he keeps trying to do stuff that's, like, outside of his normal, like, character to prove that he's an actor. Not just, like, Will Smith in every movie. Yeah. But I think he's done that for so long that, like... We miss that Will Smith. We forgot what makes him like, like, Will Smith. But James, like you James see him in West. interviews. Tame of the West. Remember the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you, uh, hoo hoo, ha ha. Um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hoo hoo. Uh, yeah, he. You see him in interviews and stuff. He's still that guy. Yeah. But he wants to be an actor. You know, he wants to be someone that's recognized for his craft. 
But it just it's just annoying because like that movie like Clara Butte, you get that for one scene, and then every else is like mopey and sad. And it's a good performance, I guess, but it's just like man, I just miss old Will Smith. I just miss that charismatic, handsome, you know, charming, Fresh cracky. Prince of yeah, Bella. well, not even that. Just I, like. Well, <laughs> Like, but like, you know, like someone, he's like cracking jokes and funny and stuff like that. And like, like you said, he's not really much of a character in this movie. No, like he's nothing to him. Like these characters aren't really that fleshed out, which is like, they're expecting the weirdness in the orc mythology to kind of establish this whole universe and they establish these characters. But it does like either a poor job or it doesn't really do any kind of job to explain this world. And that's what's really, I think so frustrating about this movie and what makes it so dull is that there's really no way you can connect with it on any meaningful or like entertaining entertaining way so yeah i mean i have one final note for okay. me um and it's it's a along with the writing stuff we were talking about before and that's that um just to show how like kind of lame the writing is uh, my dad, <laughs> my dad came in and joined us about halfway through the movie and was just kind of watching. With he was us. puzzled. He was puzzled, but he, he also was kind of getting. He was like kind he of. He was getting a little into it, but he successfully called like what four of the jokes right. in one plot point. In one plot point, like that, just like, like we could have probably guessed it. We weren't really trying because we were but zoning. We were out, like in but, a half comatose state. But he he like said the joke and then the character would say it like three times. That right. happened so. That's the writing. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like I said, I think Mac Land- Max Landis can be a really talented, subversive writer, but yeah. this just like, this needed something else. Like, a, like a, a, basically a page one rewrite. <sighs> Downsizing, like, I think you need to like fix half the script. This movie, yeah. you need like another writer, and he like gets the story credit. Yeah, because otherwise, this movie does not work. Yeah, and we learned that the hard way. So. I'll say this: Hollywood, keep making original movies, please. please. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't feel like oh well, Bright didn't work. Downsizing was a flop. <laughs> Let's just make twenty more sequels. I don't want that to be a lesson here. That said, if you get an original high concept movie greenlit, take still, the time yeah, still to make, make sure it work. Go go through the same uh, quality check that you go through with the Marvel movies and right. the Star Wars movies. No, I mean, not, not to make it, like, sterile or anything, no, but just, but like... quality. <laughs> just, all you need is just, like, to ask one other person, just be like, <laughs> is this a good idea? And they'll be like, I don't know. I think you could change a few things. Yeah. So that's my lesson for today. You know, two nobodies, two nobodies telling Tom Hollywood Hollywood insiders yeah. what to do with their projects, their multi-million, quarter-billion <laughs> projects. So with that, I think we've almost successfully seized the ship. Yeah. Uh, John will be here next time to gear us back into a normal normal flow yes uh for now this was fun i think i agree yeah it was nice to get you on the podcast it's nice to be here Thanks i hope we can get you on when the four of us are all together and yeah. we can have a good chat with them commenting and offering offering their feedback so for now for the internet pennsylvania i am will ashton uh i don't know which internet i'm from i'm in pennsylvania right now but i live in california so i'm uh, from the internet pennsylvania there you go Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.